You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. Ryan, so a few days ago, I sent you an article I read about Google's Buy on Google program and how they were dropping all commission fees for their sellers as part of the program. Now, to me, this seemed like a pretty good deal. I mean, who doesn't like free ways to sell products and utilize a huge platform with lots of awareness like Google search? So at least that was my take. But when I asked you about it, you said, and and I'll quote, hopefully this is okay, that product was dead in the water before this change. And some merchants will, of course, test it, but it will compete for ad presence with their regular Google ads. And honestly, this was not what I was expecting to hear from you at all. So I was really interested in connecting with you a bit more about this and just seeing your thoughts on it and getting some more information about the program out and uh, seeing where and when it makes sense for all of our e-commerce listeners to take advantage of it. I guess just to jump right in, Ryan, on a high level, just so we're on the same page, what exactly is Buy on Google? So buy on Google is the little colorful shopping cart icon that shows up in Google Shopping uh, when you start filtering and sorting. You actually transact on Google and then the merchant fulfills it. So it's basically Google trying to be this marketplace saying, oh, we can trust Google because I'm buying it here. And it's a, a shopping ad set that you're able to get when you push your inventory into Google and say, yes, I'm willing to sell this on Google. And previously, there were commission tiers to sell different products. And it ranged somewhere from five to I think 12%. And it was a 12% number that Google touted because it was less than that Amazon 15%. Mm. And that came out, man, I wanna say maybe three, four years ago, maybe in an alpha beta and four years ago. And I think it did cause some Amazon changes within their system on what they were gonna be charging to try to have more parity with the buy on Google scenario. Uh, but yeah, it was basically a give Google the commission that you would maybe be paying Amazon and we'll push your product out there. There's no advertising cost. Google's the one putting it out there and then you just get the sale and give commission to Google. So they're trying to create a marketplace without really holding any inventory or, or doing any fulfillment. They literally just take the money, take their cut and send everything over to the retailer. Yeah, and from a high level, it sounds like a great idea. Like, okay, I have all of this work. I'm spending all this money in Google Ads, in shopping, and I've got agency fees or employee costs or my time in it. And now I can just go to Google and you're just going to take a commission and it's, it's a fixed cost so I don't have to worry about what my return on Google Shopping is. That theory sounds phenomenal. There's not many business owners that would be like, yeah, here, take my products, sell them for me. I now know that I'm only going to be paying, you know, 12% of my revenue for my advertising cost. There's no scenario in which that doesn't sound like a good idea. That definitely makes sense. So how does buy on Google differ from Google shopping? And I, and this is a complete novice asking that question. Mm -hmm. It's part of Google shopping. You only see the buy on Google when you're in the, the Google shopping tab. Okay. Within Google space. It used to be a little more prevalent on the first page of Google, but that's I believe it's only shopping showing now in the Google Shopping tab. It's one of the filters you can put on there. Okay. 
So then really it's, you know, Google shopping is getting your listing of products up there. Some of them will take you to the retailer. Some of them will just take your money on Google. Yes. And so it's always interesting. So Google is, as we know, a for-profit company. They want to make money. And so when they came out with this program, it obviously sounded great to business owners, but it immediately put up some flags on our team internally to say, okay, Google needs to reward shareholders for their investment and needs to make money to afford employees and all the things they do around the world that are very good and positive, including paying people. So if Google's going to take 12% of the revenue for a sale and not charge any clicks to the merchant that's selling that, in theory, Google's not going to be willing to lose money by showing those products at 12% when they know from a click cost they're getting 20% or a 5x mm-hmm. return for the merchant. Google's got a lot of very smart people and they do say that they are out for the good and they will do things to just benefit people, period. So there is an opportunity maybe that they're willing to take less money, but that's not always the case. So you just have to start investigating. And that's why I challenge every merchant to do with any product in Google is test and measure and see if it does actually make sense for your brand. Spoken after my own heart there, test and measure. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've had an impact, Ryan. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this then. Um, if they're not doing any commission anymore, then how are they going to make any money? And how could any brand really think that Google's going to list this above their ads? That's a great question. And that's why it's it's surprising that Google made this move, especially when they just released earnings when we're doing this podcast yesterday, where they had the first time that their revenue dropped in a quarter. And I don't know how long, if ever, that Google being willing to give up money. And so when that happens, it, it's telling us internally at logical position that, okay, something wasn't going the direction that Google thought it was going to be going. So either we're in the process potentially of just sunsetting this or moving it to a place where it's not going to be necessarily a focus of Google because mm-hmm. if there's no revenue coming in, it's not how are you going to support it internally? You can't dedicate a bunch of employees necessarily long-term to a product that makes no money. And so it's either a stepping stone into something different or they're taking steps to buy some market share to a degree and try to get people using it and broad adoption so that they can monetize it later. We don't necessarily know where they're going because they won't necessarily tell us this. Uh, despite our levels of, uh, I actually asked the question, I was interviewing the, I think the global partner strategy person for shopping. He's he's a big guy in the shopping space. And we were talking about the free and fast program that's recently come out. And I brought it up and he's like, I'm going to answer something, but not how you want it. And then we we can't have this in the interview because I'm not authorized to speak on it. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thanks. It's a big unknown. Mm -hmm. um, And I know that if Google's not making money on it, generally, it's not going to be something that I, as a brand, am going to get really excited about and try to push all of my eggs into that basket, you know, for my personal brands. You know, I might test it again, test and measure, see what it does. Mm-hmm. But my hopes are not high. And also, my hopes are not high just because of the nature of the buy on Google and the data we've seen in it. And so a logical position, one of the companies I talk about often I won't name, mention them by name, but they started working with, with us in May of 2020 after they had not been doing any paid search with an agency. They'd been using Buy on Google with another agency that had recommended that this was the greatest thing for them. And this sells B2B, kind of like distributor uh, cleaning products, just all things businesses need. And it, they have something in the neighborhood of hundreds of thousands of SKUs. Mm. 
most of their sales come from Walmart or Amazon, at least they did at the time. And we looked at their buy on Google and they did about $34,000 a month on average. And that was over the previous six months. And they paid Google and this agency somewhere around between four and $5,000 for that batch of sales, $34,000 okay. worth. Mm -hmm. Seems like and a good ROAS, if you yeah, will. It wasn't terrible by any means. And I said, okay, well, that's not bad, but based on what we see, I believe you're limiting yourself on the potential. Their website only did, I believe, $16,000 in revenue in the month of April. And so it's their web sales, just if it evaporated tomorrow, not a big deal. So I said, okay, look, I think you're being limited here. Give us three months to test this and see what we can do. And so this was in the very end of April. So they said, okay, fine. We're going to fire the agency we've been working with, but it's going to take two weeks. So you're going to actually officially be able to kick off mid-May. But in the meantime, that first two weeks of May, we're going to just push all our products into the Merchant Center and flip a very basic shopping campaign on based on just, we don't know anything. We're just going to have the products in there and just see what happens. I said, okay, great. Can't hurt anything while we're building it out. So the data, we got to test and measure here, John. The data in the month of May, half of this was just their basic campaign. Half was us getting ramped up. Their sales went from the site in April, $16,000 to $192,000. Now that's a return on investment. They only spent 2500 bucks in shopping in the month of May to generate an additional, what is that, $176,000. Mm -hmm. The crazy thing we saw, and this surprises a lot of companies, but shopping has an effect on lots of areas of your site, not just what you're going to see in analytics on Google Shopping. That $2,500 generated Google Analytics last non-direct attribution, $115,000. The organic traffic on the site went from $10,000 in April to $45,000 in May. They weren't even doing any SEO. And so there was a halo effect on other things that Google Shopping does because you click to a site on Google Shopping, go back and do more research, and then you're going to come back through other channels. Direct traffic was way up. Email was way up. Social was even up. And they don't even do much on social. The buy on Google doesn't allow for that because you're buying on Google. You're not even going to the website. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have the ability to buy other products. And so we know as well based on our research and you know, expertise within the Google Shopping space, over 50% of the time, people click on a product to go to a site and they're going to buy something else entirely. You get to the site and you start shopping. I mean, you see the data when somebody interacts with product suggestions on a site, time on site goes up dramatically, conversion rate goes up on dramatically by clicking that suggested product or you might also like type products, everything gets better. They've committed to shopping the site. And, and maybe you can challenge me on that in some other uh, arena, but all you want is the traffic from Google Shopping to get to the site because everything looks better from an analytics perspective. And when you don't have that because of the buy on Google, not sending people to the site, you mm -hmm. lose all of that. When I'm seeing Google give something for free, red flags and lights and flashes of all kinds go off in my head saying, okay, either something wasn't working for Google on this, so they just need to get it out there more for adoption to try to take a last gasp effort, or they're going to try to get companies to forget about sending traffic to the site to try mm -hmm. to convince them that buy on Google is the only thing to be doing. And it's just interesting, to say the least. Also, if you have the product in buy on Google and also in Google Shopping, you don't get a show in both ad sets. So it's not giving you extra inventory. It's a replacement, mm. which also tells me if it's now free, how, I mean... Yeah, I'm not, I don't, Google's not bad by any means. I think Google's a great company. I'm very honored to be partnered with them at the level we are. I know that they're not going to give up all of their revenue from Google Shopping. 
Right. Well, there's some there's something else they're getting there in terms of it's like the old adage about Facebook. If you're not paying for it, you're the you're the product. Yep. And there's something here that makes me think that they're interested in the consumer data. Yeah, they want some data, and how how much are they willing to pay for that? You know, if they had 100% of all merchants adopt that immediately because it's free, I mean, they're not going to will they're not willing to take a you know $10 billion hit in Q3 probably <laughs> to see some data. <laughs> not after Google Q2. already has <laughs> more data than they can know what to do with to a degree. So again, interesting. You need to watch it, test and measure it, but it often it does not make a lot of sense to utilize the buy on Google for most e-commerce companies. You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast focused on e-commerce growth. Your hosts are John McDonald, founder of The Good, a conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position, a digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you. So is there anything else you feel like e-commerce brands should know about Buy on Google? If you put this on your site and you're also running Google Shopping, we've got some merchants that spend, you know, north of $10 million a year on Google. When they came to us, they're shopping overall. They were using uh, Buy on Google and Google Shopping, and their shopping traffic was down 40% year over year, including buying Google, and then they couldn't figure it out. And so they came to us to find out about this. They had some prior relationships with us from other companies, the e-com team that had started working with them. And so they brought us on, and we were able to uncover that when they had flipped on buy on Google, that's the key thing that happened to drive their tra- their volume down. They thought they were going to be adding ad sets, adding all of this additional stuff, and it was going to fix their marketing costs because the numbers looked great. When they flipped it on, everything went down and the agency they had been working with just said, well, it's just because the market's down or your prices are too high or they had all these uh, excuses that just didn't necessarily hold water when we started looking at the data. And it's it's not easy to analyze buy on Google and what the impact on your business because the transaction is not happening on your website. You don't see that in Google Analytics. There's a lot of matchup data. There's a lot of filtering and analysis you have to do that is very complex to actually see the impacts. When I say test and measure, you're going to actually have to do a lot of work on that measuring to figure out what the impact actually is. But so you have to look at SKU data to see, okay, this product I started showing in buy on Google, what was the impact of overall sales and taking some of my offline data because the buy on Google is not going to show up in analytics. What does that look like? When we put it here, we started seeing, you know, what's the impressions of Google Shopping that I lost. So if I lost, again, easy math, a thousand impressions and 10 sales on Google Shopping when I flipped on the buy on Google, did I get more than 10 purchases of that specific product? Probably need more than that because the halo effect of Google Shopping, of my organic traffic getting more searches and and clicks and and purchases because of my shopping investment, that goes away. So you got to take into fact the halo effect. And so go in paranoid, like I do with most things, like I'll go in paranoid <laughs> to start and say, okay, if some, if my business is not going to go the direction I want to, where am I going to see it? How, where, what levers am I going to need to push and pull quickly mm-hmm. um, and uncover some changes? Is that paranoid why you live on a farm and all that acreage? Uh, no, uh, I also have four small kids and you need room to run. So we're very yes. blessed in COVID time to have all that room. So you had said at some point that as we were having this conversation a few days ago that larger merchants will usually lose volume 
when they have both ads and shopping actions. Is that summarizing what you were you were talking about a second ago? Generally, yeah. And it's it's simply because you can't show both ad sets. And so playing out the, you know, kind of conspiracy theorists in me saying, okay, Google's if they previously they were gonna get twelve percent from your buy on Google, but they knew they were getting twenty percent with you clicking on with people clicking on ads to your site, they're probably gonna take the 20% margin that they were getting on clicked and not show the buy on Google. Mm-hmm. And so buy on Google, you don't get any search queries. So we don't actually know what you were showing for. And what we were seeing often was that it was it was cannibalizing brand terms and taking some of the easy stuff that you were probably getting at less than 12% cost already. Not that it's bad, but even smart shopping to a degree takes some of those easy layup searches and, and shows a pretty strong ROI, but a lot of that was brand that maybe you could have been getting a better return on ad spend with a more complex shopping structure. And so that's where you can't see the data from a search query perspective, so you have to see it from a transaction perspective. And so you're never going to get really apples to apples, but when you're comparing it volume loss of sales or volume increase based on SKU, you'll want to hopefully have a lot of that data you can be pulling. If you have smart campaigns running currently on shopping, you're probably not a large merchant. And if you are a large merchant, we should chat. Um, Smart campaigns are are quite limiting to your scale. But if you have smart shopping and then you do buy on Google as well, you have zero data in both of those. And so you're you're just going to be able to measure total site sales. And maybe they Mm -hmm. do increase. But could they have gone higher if you went just to a manual shopping campaign structure and didn't do either smart shopping or buy on Google? It's a difficult analysis, but it's something that all brands spending over 10000 a month on Google should probably be doing. If you're doing spending money on Google shopping and also doing buy on Google, you need to be doing some deep analysis of what that looks like. Because I would venture a guess when you flipped buy on Google on, you probably lost some volume mm-hmm. because of that transit. People not being able to shop the site and add different complementary products. So right. buy on Google doesn't do that. They don't know what the complementary products would be, but if you, you know, like work with John, who's going to help you figure out some of those things that are going to help your conversion rate, that help your AOV, you can only do that on your site. Right. Yeah, that, and that's been kind of my rub with Google Shopping and uh, and I guess buy on Google more specifically is that you you have very little control and you lose the contact information for the buyer. And so this leads me to my next question, which was, you know, I had mentioned there was an article in Forbes that kind of kickstarted this whole conversation. And and that article says something along the lines of Google just upped its e-commerce game to attract more sellers, and but it's still not enough to compete with Amazon. We, you know, what stuck out there was not that, that it's not enough to compete with Amazon, but this is being viewed as a play to compete with Amazon. Do you agree that this is a play to compete with Amazon? Google and Amazon have been competing for, you know, over a decade. So I don't think it's it's a new thing for Google to try to test waters to create more of a marketplace. It just makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. if with over 50% of all e-com transactions happening on Amazon, there is a risk to Google on ads that people could be just moving stores to Amazon and not paying for traffic on Google. That is a potential that Google is probably well aware of. Probably not <laughs> giving them any insight they don't already have. Well, but I was wondering, if, with that approach, also, you know, they're willing to offer this as free for free, almost as a gut punch to Amazon, in that hey, we'll keep the customer data and the sale, and we'll we'll give that commission up to increase the volume and steal 
basically the the revenue away from Amazon, almost as a way that as retaliation, and I'm sure Google would never say this, but for Amazon launching on platform ads, which is, you know, kind of hurt, I'm sure hurt some volume on, on Google. I don't necessarily think that if you're selling online, you're not aware of Google, or this was what was going to all of a sudden get you to start working with Google to a degree. And so I think that there is some of that there, like, hey, we want to try to get more merchants and more data. But I I don't think that that was necessarily the play for Google, that they're trying to use this to be the marketplace or take down Amazon at all. I think it's them probably trying to get new data to see if it is free. What is that doing to our margin? What is that doing, you know, to the volume of people buying on Google? And is that give us the ability to push into a marketplace. I mean, the fact that they're integrating with PayPal, the fact they're integrating with Shopify Pay is pretty big. Mm -hmm. Letting people pay with those things. So it it does seem that there is a marketplace potential here. And it may be, if we play this out, I'm guessing that Google is taking some margin from PayPal and Shopify Pay if people are using those for the transaction. I mean, Google's Play could be as a merchant processor at the end Mm -hmm. of the day because they already have Google Pay. So if they're making enough money on the processing fees, maybe they don't need to charge for a marketplace listing. That's a great way. I hadn't thought about that, but that's a great way for them to increase the volume there, which probably makes their costs cheaper to process those overall because of the larger volume. So yeah, that's that's a great idea there in terms of how this makes sense for them. So you know that, that kind of leads me to my next thought, which is that Google has really tried several ways to take a piece of the e-commerce pie in the past few years right? Like we talked about Google Pay, for instance, mm-hmm. right? But I don't see a whole lot of e-commerce brands taking advantage of it or really making it a priority to support all these things. Do you have a feeling that Google will ever become a really large player in the actual e-commerce space besides driving traffic? I mean, I would never bet against Google. They have that's, that's a, fair. a tremendous <laughs> amount of intelligent people and more data in the e-commerce space than almost any other company on the planet. I mean, them and Amazon just control it. I think there's so much value to owning the customer experience for brands that, I mean, as a brand owner myself, like I do have an Amazon storefront. You know, I do advertise on Google. I do have my own website. I look at like Amazon as a as a retailer because it's their customer, it's not a me customer. So it's for me, the more people that I can get my product into their hands through Amazon, the more likely they are to become a loyal advocate brand fan for my brand. And maybe they'll buy from my site, maybe they'll follow me on social and I can get new products into them. But I know it's Amazon's customer. And Google can send traffic to my site, so I have a lot of affinity for that because it's they're willing to share all of that customer data with me and not own it. And so it's it's difficult for me to be able to give up my customer and sacrifice that data and potential relationship and experience that I know I want my customer to have on my site to ever be like, okay, I'll never drive traffic to my site. I'll just let the transaction happen all over the place with everybody else's system. Mm -hmm. Government antitrust interviewing aside with all these big tech companies recently, I mean, I've always wondered why Google didn't just buy Shopify before it went public or buy big commerce before it goes public. I mean, I can see a massive antitrust issue there, perhaps, where they own the entire ecosystem. But I also think that for them to really get a piece of this pie in the long term, in terms of on the transaction side, I almost see that that's going to have to be a requirement. And we'll see what happens, but it would be interesting for them to take a play there. 
yeah, I think it's going to be easier for a Shopify to move into a marketplace than it is for Google to move into a, you know, web ecosystem that you can't get out of. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's potential that Amazon gets broken up, you know, as big as it is, maybe they have to uncouple their fulfillment and let everybody on the planet use Amazon fulfillment where Amazon becomes just the marketplace. I mm -hmm. foresee that as potential. And I know that Shopify is moving into logistics. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to start fulfilling orders for their merchants. Yep. There's a lot of frenemies in the digital marketing space. <laughs> you know, you and I partner with companies that we technically can compete with on certain areas right. as well. And so it's not uncommon and it's going to be the fascinating next few years to see how a lot of this is going to shake out. Yeah, not not really on topic, but I do see that if Shopify starts fulfilling, that's that's a huge win for Amazon because they can go back and say, well, we're not, we're not, there's no antitrust issues here. That Shopify fulfills and they do two days and Walmart now does mm -hmm. one day. So what's the problem? You could definitely see, see yeah, that I mean, argument. I think Walmart, we didn't even, I didn't mention it. You brought up Walmart. I think they have more distribution than even Amazon. Mm -hmm. You know, Amazon has for their FBA, I think something in the neighborhood of 77 locations around the country. Walmart's got, I don't know how many thousands of stores, but a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And Shopify has all this data around all of these merchants that are, a lot of them sell the same thing. And so if you've got the same SKU in Shopify system, they know where you're located. They know where you're <laughs> shipping from. So in theory, Shopify could start selling that particular product and saying, hey, merchant XYZ, you have it listed for 50 and we know that we can sell it for 45. Do you want to take 45 and ship it to somebody? But yeah, most merchants would be like, yeah, I'll take that. And you're going to share this customer data with me. Kind of like the old uh, dealer network. You remember Shopatron? That mm -hmm. I think is now Kibo or something like that. <laughs> like yeah. the, the dealer or the manufacturer sells it and a dealer fulfills it. Like that's for sure within the realm of possibility within the next couple of years. Yeah. Wow. This, is, this has been fascinating. Thank you once again for educating me on this. You're, you're always so knowledgeable on what's happening in the Google ecosystem, not only because you guys are, are such great partners with them at that scale, but also that you dive really deep into this personally as a store owner and uh, somebody who helps clients. So I really appreciate your time on this today and looking forward to the next conversation, right? Yeah, me too. Thanks, John. I appreciate the time and the good questions. Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. Keep up to date with new episodes. You can subscribe at driveandconvert.com.